Thanks for joining us today on RV Tech Talk, a podcast produced by the National RV Training Academy that is devoted to discussing ways to keep RVs in tip-top shape and ways to make money fixing or inspecting recreation vehicles. My name is Greg Gerber, your host for today's show. Today I'll be speaking with an RV technician from Santa Barbara, California, who shared a wonderful idea for promoting a new repair business by targeting work campers or the folks who work as camp hosts at area campgrounds. A few years ago, during the COVID lockdowns, Tim Lavender and his wife considered selling everything and moving out of California. Then they opted to sell their home and move into an RV instead. However, when they bought a brand new RV, the couple discovered how much work needed to be performed on it. Yet there was a four-month wait for service at the RV dealership where they bought the unit, and the closest mobile RV technician was 60 miles away and also had a three-week wait. In response, Tim turned to Google for information about how to fix problems the couple was experiencing. That's how he stumbled upon information about the National RV Training Academy in Athens, Texas. Ironically, the school was an hour away from their son in Dallas. So because he had recently retired from a career in the telecom industry, Tim devised a plan to attend the school to learn how to maintain his own RV, then return to California and start a business to address the critical shortage of trained technicians. To tell us more about how he started his business and what he did to promote it in order to find customers quickly, please welcome certified RV technician Tim Lavender, the owner of Lavender Mobile RV Solutions, to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Tim. I appreciate your time. How did you decide to become a technician? Can I give you a long drawn out? Absolutely. Okay. I, God, why do I say this point? I was a victim of the RV industry and the pandemic. I'm going through the pandemic and being the lockdowns that we had in Santa Barbara and California. I hit, reached a point where I was ready to just sell everything and leave California because I knew other places in the country were opening up and a little more to get out to the beach without getting in trouble or go out to restaurants. My wife came up with the idea instead of selling our home that we buy an RV and just go travel to these areas and explore the country and then just come to our back to the house when things settled down. Got to give my credit to my wife. She was right in this instance. She said, let's buy a used RV and save some money. And I said, no, honey, we're going to be hitting the road. We need to buy a brand new RV, something that has no problems that we can just hit the road and go out and enjoy ourselves. I learned quickly from my mistake that when we bought our RV, and since this is going to go public, I won't use any brands, but when we bought our RV, it was riddled with problems and it was a lemon. Given that we're just on the tail end of the pandemic and things were just starting to open back up, I could not get my RV back into a dealership. There was about a four month wait to get it back in. There was no mobile tech anywhere to be found in Santa Barbara. And the closest person or company that I could find was about 60 miles away. And they were three weeks before they could get out to see me. Wow. So in the course of that time, knowing that we're going to be hitting the road, I just started doing uh, research on Google, on how to fix my air conditioning, how to fix a number of things electrically that was going on with the vehicle. And I stumbled across NRVTA just in my search for information. And noticed that it was located in Athens, Texas. And my son had just moved to Dallas about an hour away. So I, I told my wife, I 
about the program. And I said, Hey, this program's about an hour away from Texas. We can go learn to how to work on our RV. And given the shortage and the fact that there's no, no technicians around here in Santa Barbara, maybe, and I had just retired from telecom at the time. So given there's a shortage of personnel or reliable people that can work on technicians in this area, let's go to that school and we can travel for a little bit and then maybe come back and start a business out of it. So that's the short version of the long story about how I bought a new RV and it made me an RV technician. What kind of RV did you buy? Travel trailer, fifth wheel? Uh, it was a class A motorhome, a class okay. A gas. And it had 27 items wrong with it between the chassis and the, and the interior and the household related items. Look, the fact that you did all this research and were able to do it on your own without training, did you have a tech background? I was a nuclear engineer in the Navy. So I had a strong electrical and electronic background. And then I've always worked with my hands. I've done carpentry and any of the household related repairs as it relates to plumbing and whatnot. I've just tended to do that myself. I enjoy the work. I've been in corporate America through my entire career, sitting um, either behind a desk or out doing corporate sales. So working with my hands has always been a, a pleasant distraction for me, something I enjoy doing. What kind of tech work do you do? Is it all mobile then? My shop is completely mobile. I do work on some class C's and class B's. I'll have them bring them to my house and I'll just work on them there in the driveway if, I'm, if we're at the house but it's predominantly a mobile RV repair business. And when did you take the training then at NRVTA? We took the training. We showed up into Athens, Texas, May, 2021. And I finished my certification and took my test July 3rd, 2021. So we did the five-week program, I think it was, between the just the introductory course and then the certified technician program. So you celebrated Independence Day then in a real style then? Not really, because July 4th, we were packing, we were taking all the contents from our motorhome and packing them into a U-Haul because I had to take my motorhome and put it in the shop. <laughs> so it cut our tour across the country pretty short because the RV went into a repair facility where it stayed for about three months. So your business is about two years old. That, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's it called? Lavender Mobile RV Solutions. What kinds of things really stood out in the training that you took? The training, I would say the first thing that really stood out was Mr. Cooper's passion mm -hmm. for the business. And the first day Demon talked to us and uh, how passionate he was. And I got into the business because I saw it as a way to one, help myself and understand my RV and how to do repairs. But I was also getting into it because I knew my frustration level when I couldn't find anybody to help. So that's the thing that hit home for me when Ms. Terry Cooper started talking about, hey, there's a reason we were all brought together. And it's, he has, he's a, he's a very religious, he's devoutly religious. And, but it was like, we were brought together to help other people. So that stood out in the beginning. And then just through the course of the training is the hands-on experience, really being able to get in and touch the gear, go into some of the uh, refrigerators, see a furnace, see a heater and tear it down to the component level really stood out as beneficial. So as a nuclear technician, you were good at working with tools and things like that, but I'm sure RVs are a bit different than a nuclear plant. 
So the electrical, the board, the circuit boards and things of that nature, there were, I, I could look at the circuit board and understand the circuit board, what the components did, but it was beneficial. And the tools, I have a lot of the tools already. We can talk about that in a little bit too, but I, I was pretty well prepared to move into that, but really just the things that stood out, hands-on experience, the quality of the instructors that, and the experience that they brought to the table. So you left Nat Athens to head back to California to start this business. Are you still the only mobile RV service tech in that area? Interestingly, when I started, I was the only one in Santa Barbara. I'm still the only one in Santa Barbara. And you have to go pretty far north before there's another NRVTAA technician. And then coming south, we now have three or four more NRBTAA techs south of us about maybe 35, 40 minutes south. And it's, yeah. it's great having those guys there because uh, I do get calls from that neck of the woods. And it's so great for me to just have these customers go look at the tech locator and say, hey, Denver's down in that area or a couple other guys that are closer to you and vice versa. They get calls from my neck of the woods and they'll throw them back to me. How did you gain your first clients? When I first came back to Santa Barbara, so we just, we, we, we didn't come right back to Texas. We finished our road trip and we were gone for about a month. And then Nancy was ready to come home. Again, my wife was right. She's a voice of reason. I didn't think there was going to be as much business here as there was, but she says, let's just go back to Santa Barbara a little, for a little while, try the business there and see if we can make a, a go of it. So when we got back, I had business cards by that time. And the first thing that we did is that we started looking for all the RV parks in the area. And we just drove to the RV parks and we either met the local camp host or the local rangers. And I started passing out business cards and letting them know that I was a certified tech and just getting started. And the thing I think really helped me is there was a pinup demand. It was very expensive for these people to move their RVs to either Santa Maria, which is an hour north or down to Oxnard to get service. So long story short, what I told them is if you're a camp host or a ranger and you have your RV here, I'll waive my service call fee for you. And I just gave them a flat rate of a hundred dollars an hour to start out. And which was great for them because they had a lot of pinup demand for maintenance and a need for an RV tech. And then I could get some on the job training through whatever needs that they had. So I got a lot of business from that and a lot of on the job training through that aspect, just working with local camp hosted rangers. That is a that, brilliant suggestion. And then because what if I got in there and I built the trust with them and I was able to fix their RVs and they had the confidence I could do to do it. As campers came in and they needed support, they would have my business card and they said, oh, you have to call this gentleman. He's really good. That is excellent. I'd never thought to employ that kind of strategy to offer a kind of a a discounted service for the work campers who are working in the campgrounds to get them to <laughs> recommend you to other people who are staying there. And it was great. And then to grow the business beyond that, then we started, uh, we probably did that for about the first six months and that was good. But then we toyed around to, with growing the business through or developed a web page and then a Facebook business page and a Google business page. Oh, Santa Barbara is north of Los Angeles. Does that mean that RVing is a seasonal business or are you pretty much busy year round? We are busy year round. I would say it, it, business really picks up during spring break and summer. 
and I get more of the family campers. And it's, and so I, I was even looking at it this season. I was like, okay, kids just went back to school. Things are going to slow down. It did just momentarily, say momentarily, it slowed down for about two weeks. And then it's just a, picked up back to where it was because now I get more of the adult senior campers that now that the kids are back in school, I'm getting a bunch of the, the older campers that are just husband and wife traveling through. Do you get a lot of snowbirds? Not where I'm at because I think the reason for that is Santa Barbara, we don't cater to Santa Barbara in general, doesn't cater to snowbirds because of the requirements that they have. You can only stay in RV park for about two weeks. So it limits the amount of time people could stay here. So you just really have people that are transitioning and that, wherever they're going on their road trip. Then that makes your strategy for getting those first clients even more brilliant. If there are restrictions that people can only stay at a park for two weeks and they're going to need service, they're going to have to find somebody quickly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I say all the parks and I would say all the parks within my area, they have my card. And then if you do Google my business, if you Google RV tech near me, then I come up at the top of the, at the ratings there. Have you had to do any advertising? I do advertising through Facebook and through Google, and it, it ranges probably somewhere between $750 to about a thousand dollars a month I spend on advertising. Wow. That's a lot. It doesn't feel a lot because I can, I easily recoup those charges in a day, just a day's worth of work. Really? You recouped. So you're that busy. Yeah. And I have as much as, I have as much work as I want to have. I could do a little more advertising. I could drive just a little bit further, but I'm happy with the amount of work I have right now. Have you had any surprises that you've uncovered in the field when you're working as a technician? Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, not to do a black tank work without a face mask. That sounds horrible. But yes, the learnings as a technician. It, it's and this is something to really pay attention to. I, I, hopefully, they're home. Are there? When I started working, when I went through the school, we're working on these refrigerators or furnaces or water heaters. They're all set on a table right there in front of you, and you have you, you can stand up and you have complete access around that furnace or that refrigerator, and they're so easy to work on. The surprises were when you get out in the field, they're jam-packed in there, and you have to be a contortionist to be able to work on these things. So I, that was, and then the other learning experience with that is that even with the same uh, fingerprint, they're all a little bit different, just in terms of where the wiring is, where you're going to find certain things. So it's really an Easter egg hunt anytime you got in troubleshoot one of these. Did you have to buy a work truck or did you already have one? That's a good question. And that's a question that comes up. Should I buy a work truck? I had a Ford Explorer. So I started the business with a Ford Explorer and, and it worked great to do what I needed to do. We got rid of our class A and went with a fifth wheel. So then I got a new dually and the dually had an eight foot bed and that was immensely better than using the Ford Explorer after about a year of running the business with the dually, I finally bought a work van and the work van has been, it's awesome. I can stand up in it. I, all my tools, my supplies are, I don't have to empty out the bed of my truck or empty out the cab of my van, my work, my truck 
to access a tool or a part. So the van has been immensely helpful in that aspect. Are you still doing any type of RVing and fixing RVs when you're traveling? We are not at the moment. The business, when we came back last year and started this business, it really took off uh, to the point that it was supposed to just be part-time work. The joke was we're going to go to the school for beer money and gas money. And now it's turned into a lucrative business that's doing well for itself. It's uh, looking at potentially bringing on another technician. And I'm toying with the idea right now, just toying with it, uh, going on the road and following like a NASCAR circuit or something with large mobile events or large, with, with a large congregation where uh, RVs would be present, balloon festivals, to, So, because my wife wants to go back on the road. So uh, that's in the back of her mind to try and figure out how to make that work. That's an interesting strategy as well, to follow the RVers around as they're going to all of these different events. Yes. Yeah. And that's the way you can even develop relationships with people. If they're following the same circuit, absolutely. And yeah, it would be interesting to see if there are people, I don't know if people follow those circuits or if they just leave cl live close by and they come to the events as they happen. But if you have, it would be interesting to that if there's NASCAR groupies that go from race to race and that could be a good business, even in that aspect. Hey, if they needed something repaired, you don't have the part, you just have it or ordered and available at the next location and then install it when you get there. What kinds of things did you decide to put into your work truck? That is a great question. And that's a question that we all ask going through the school. What inventory do I put into my truck? And I've got capacitors that I bought when I first started my business. I've stocked up on capacitors, 40 micro, 40 15s, 55 15s, 55.5s, 65. And they're still sitting in my truck. I'm going through the air, air conditioning program. I thought capacitors were going to fail all the time. And I think in hot markets, they probably do. I work in a climate where the average temperature is 75 degrees. For one, AC stuff get run that often. And I don't see that many failures. So I'm more focused on stocking my truck with tools to get the job done. Unique wrenches that I can access different areas or compartments that are hard to reach an ample supply of batteries for my power tools. With that note, I would suggest that if you're a technician starting out, pick the brand of tool that you want to work with, whether it's the DeWalt, Fast Tool, Milwaukee, pick a brand and stay with that brand. I like Milwaukee because they have a huge diversity of tools and they're rugged. rugged. By doing that, you'll be able to have one type of battery for all those tools. You'll, only, you'll be able to carry one charger, maybe two chargers if you're 12 volt and 18 volt. And you'll have an ample supply of batteries that are usually charged between your different tools. When it comes to what inventory do I stack on my stock on my truck? The thing that I use the most are brass fittings and plumbing fixtures, uh, quarter turn valves and brass half inch PEX fittings and the associated pinch clamps or brass clamps. That's, you can't go wrong because there's always going to be plumbing needs. I would caution you to go out and buy a bunch of capacitors like I did. I bought a bunch of capacitors. I bought a bunch of water heater. Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but the little breakers, the, the fuses that, that are resettable and blow, and they're still sitting on my truck. I've got an ample supply, but they don't fail as often as I thought they did. So as you stock your truck and you're doing a repair for somebody and you don't have the part, maybe just buy one or two, don't buy six. 
And then as you go through and you start to see what problems fail the most in your area and what you're constantly restocking, then buy a bit more of those pumps or that no, I said pumps, buy a bit more of those supplies. And as leading into right now, I carry, I always carry three uh, water pumps on my truck. They're fairly universal and they're inexpensive and they have good margin on them. So having three on there has been good for me. Did you set up an account with any suppliers? Yes. I've got um, NTP Stag was the first one I set up with. They were the easiest and the one I used the most. I've also set up with Myers Distribution and I use them. I'm starting to use them a bit more. Recpro, E-Trailer, and a couple of others. The one thing I would say about for a new technician, if you're looking for a distributor, look at the look and see which distributors have warehouses that are closest the closest proximity okay. to wherever market you're serving. Because if they have truck delivery, you might be able to get that part in a day or two, as opposed to wait waiting a week. And I've, I've got a Laurelhurst. Is that they're great? They're fantastic, but they're located in Oregon, and I do get some unique parts from them. But it takes about five days for them to get to me. Would the suppliers be able to provide you a list of the top 50 most commonly ordered parts in your area? That's a great question that I've never asked them. So okay. I appreciate you giving me that question. I'll ask my suppliers. Super. They probably could. I would have to, I would probably ask them for the 50 most parts ordered in like Ventura or Pismo Beach because uh, Ventura, we have a large RV repair facility down there and we have a bit more RV shops down there. And then Pismo Beach, there's, again, we have three or four RV dealers and some more repair facilities. If I ask them for the top 50 parts delivered to Santa Barbara, they're going to be looking at my distribution. What did it take for you to set up your business? For my personal business, as just from Lavender Mobile RV, I established an LC just to separate the RV business from our vacation rental business and from the house entirely. I, and then setting up the Google business page, the Facebook business page and the, I'm missing one and the website. That's about the gist of what I did for setting up the business. And it wasn't until I was a year into it that I actually hired a bookkeeper. I thought I would try and do it all on my own, but being a one person shop, my wife helps out a little bit, but as busy as the business is now, it's great having a bookkeeper. I would probably, if you're looking at going into this business full-time, I'd probably suggest to other people, establish a relationship with a bookkeeper early on and maybe in an accountant. So as when you start to get business busy, then you have all that documentation ready to go when it comes time to do Uncle Sam. What do you like most about being a technician? The greatest enjoyment I have about this is getting a call from a customer that's frustrated. They're out camping, their RV's broken. They're on the verge of cutting the trip short, canceling their trip. I'll talk them through it and then going on site and fixing their job and saving their trip. That's, that, that's the most rewarding thing out of the business that I get. And that's the reason I went into the business based on my experience, first time I being. The second most enjoyable is just the flexibility. I work when I want to work and I, I'm my own boss. So 
It sounds like the market would support a mobile technician as well. Yes. Yeah. I, I think even if there's a saturated, I can't speak for a saturation and a saturated market where there might be a lot of technicians, I could probably use, I would welcome competition from a couple more techs here in Santa Barbara. They're, it's a small community and it would be great. And I get calls now, my, my lead time is probably two weeks right now before I can get out to a customer. And again, if that person's on vacation or they're looking to go on vacation or leave tomorrow, and that's the thing, people come going on a trip tomorrow, I'm like, sorry, I can't help you. But it would be great if we had another technician or two in the market just to help out and spread the workload. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking about becoming a full or part-time technician? Somebody that's looking at going into the business, it's very lucrative and rewarding. You get out of it what you put into it. It requires minimal investment to get started. So if you had a car, uh, there's a guy, Arizona RV expert. The guy has his own shop, but he runs his mobile business and does some of his, he doesn't run a mobile business, but he, he drives a Prius around and he goes and does repairs out of a Prius. So if you're starting out, start the business with what you have. Slowly grow the business and buy tools as you need them to do a job. And you're going to get paid to do that job. And don't rush out to buy a bunch of inventory. Acquire the inventory as you get experience with the jobs and you understand what the failures are going to be. How long do you think it would take a brand new technician to actually build a business to the point they could make a full-time living off of it? That's a loaded question, bunch of variables. I feel like I was able to jump into it very quickly because of my experience with plumbing, electrical woodworking and the amount of tools I had already. Let's take a high school kid. And I, this is something I think about quite a bit because I don't think college is right for everybody. Absolutely. I, I would love to see our younger generation. If you have, a, have somebody that likes working on cars or they want to become a mechanic, this would be a very lucrative business for somebody like that. With a small investment to RBT, a short amount of time, Within five weeks, they could have a basic understanding. They could come out and get a job with a repair facility right from the get-go. And they start out as a journeyman, probably making forty-five, $50,000 a year, right out of high school, first somewhere out of high school, do the school, and then you got a job making forty-five, fifty grand a year. Yeah, it's not bad. It's, not, it's decent money. It's better. I don't want to get political. It's better than going spending 200 grand on a college career than coming out and getting a job for 60 grand a year. Exactly. If that kid's mechanically inclined, then they just have to start building up their tools. It, and within a year, I think you could be out there working on your own, making a hundred bucks an hour. If you have somebody that's uh, like me, that was just retiring out of corporate America, and I've had the resources to ramp up quickly. I built my job, I built my business and I had it going within three months out of the school and I'm um, going full time within six months and producing good revenue at the, if somebody just slow rolled it, I would say a year, but you could be up and running as quick as six weeks, seven weeks. Very good. How can people connect with you? If somebody would like to call me directly and, and reach out and talk about business, they can reach me at 949-683-8650. They'd just like to learn a little bit about my business. 
they can go to rvtechfinder.com and that's my website. Thank you very much for sharing this information with us. It's inspiring, especially to new technicians to know that they could ramp up relatively quickly and certainly a great opportunity for somebody out of high school. And even if they didn't want to go that college road at all, they could make a very good living relatively quickly. Yes. Yes. And the, and to start out that early and get going and build your own business and uh, somebody that's I kicked myself in the butt. I don't know if the RV business has always been this good, but looking at what I did for 30 years in corporate America and then looking at this business, I really wish I'd have went this route way back then. That's an excellent way to end this. Thank you very much, Tim. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. It's a pleasure speaking with you. I loved certified RV technician Tim Lavender's story about buying a brand new RV to escape the COVID lockdowns but then having so many problems with it that he needed professional help to resolve them. Yet he couldn't get the problems fixed in a timely manner, so he got training to fix the problems himself, then opened a business and is making a very lucrative income as an independent mobile technician. That's the beauty of America's free enterprise system. His idea to offer discounted RV repair service to work campers who had jobs as campground hosts was a brilliant decision. Not only did it give him immediate repair experience and income, but those hosts were in a position to refer Tim to other RVers at the campground. He simply visited each campground in the market area and delivered a stack of business cards. He discovered pent-up demand for repair services because the campground hosts were not in a position to leave their RVs at a repair center for weeks at a time. Since starting his business, Tim has enjoyed a steady income all year round. To maintain his profitable venture, he invests $750 to $1,000 per month in Facebook and Google advertising. However, he can recoup a month's worth of advertising in a single day of service to those customers the marketing attracts. Tim has learned some valuable lessons through trial and error, such as never to work on a black tank without wearing a face mask. Yuck! He also bought a work band that enables him to stand in it, which makes it easier for him to find parts and tools. The couple's desire to use their RV for travel remains strong. Consequently, Tim is contemplating following RVers along the NASCAR circuit to provide repair services at racing events. The greatest joy Tim gets from being a mobile RV technician is from seeing the sense of relief in his customers' faces when he resolves a problem. That means they don't have to cut a trip short or cancel a needed vacation. He also enjoys the tremendous flexibility that comes from being his own boss. People can connect with Tim by visiting www.rvtechfinder.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the National RV Training Academy in Athens, Texas. The Academy's one-week live training or home study course will teach you everything you need to know to fix about 80% of the problems people experience with their RVs. You can also sign up for additional training to become an RV inspector, campground technician, or to provide mobile RV service. For more information, visit www.nrvta.com. That's all for this week's show. Next time, I'll be interviewing an RV technician and inspector from Canada who also works as an instructor at the National RV Training Academy. I'll have that interview on the next episode of RV Tech Talk. Thank you for listening.